time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Well, it is 2019, and there's so much going on in the world right now, and so many factors are converging that uh, in Bible prophecy and things that are happening in Israel and the, the way globalism is, is coming together and really forming the age in which we live. Uh, there's decaying morality all over the place. People are literally insane with the kind of ideas that they're propagating in the world today. And even in the church, uh, much of the, what's going on in the church is nothing more than fanciful entertainment uh, to prop up a a um, crumbling self-image, you know, for for professing believers and, uh, you know, so few churches are, are preaching the Bible. Uh, instead, they're just trying to help people. And uh, it's not about helping people. It's about causing them to become more passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. If all we needed was a self-help seminar, we get that anywhere. But we don't need to do that and didn't just throw God on top of it like a cherry on top of a, you know, ice cream cone or something like that and, and call it Christian. Okay, so the reason I'm saying this is because all that's going on in our world today can produce a lot of undetected tension and anxiety in the life of Christians. And how does that anxiety, that tension and that, you know, that that angst that we feel, how does it manifest itself? Well, there's there's two kind of areas I want to talk about. The first is kind of the external pressure that we're feeling and everything that's going on in the world and the uncertainty and the volatility of the life in which we live in this world today. And that kind of creates that undercurrent. It makes people be on edge. It, it causes conflict in relationships. And it creates a sense of not knowing what's going to happen in the world. Fortunately, those Christians who do study Bible prophecy have a handle on what's going to happen and a sense of calm and peace and trust and faith in the sovereignty of God. And so there's obviously a way to handle that. But let me just flip the coin a little bit. Let me talk about the internal things that are going on. You know, when you become a Christian, it doesn't take you long to figure out that this Christian life is not easy. In fact, it's not even really hard. It's impossible. Now, why do I say that? Because it is literally impossible for you to live the kind of life that God has called you to unless you understand what the scripture says about how to live that kind of life. And we find ourselves faced with, with a multi-leveled dilemma in our Christian lives. The first of all is just the idea of, you know, what do I do when I sin? I talked about that in the last podcast. And then we have the idea of how do I progress forward in my Christian life in power and in strength and in growth? How do I handle the frustrations, the anxieties, the disappointments of life? How do I handle anger within? How do, how do I handle, you know, the sense of, of uh, uncertainty in my own life? How do I struggle? Uh, how do I overcome the struggle with sin in my life? And this struggle is real. We all struggle with this whole idea of sin because we've got the external pressure from the world. We've got the internal motivation from the old sinful nature, which the Bible calls the flesh. I just call it the zombie within. And there's this battle that goes on. We read about that battle in Romans chapter 7, where Paul, as this you know, two-decade-old Christian, is, uh, is fighting this intense internal battle. Uh, between the flesh and the spirit and he doesn't do the things that he wants to do 
and he ends up doing the things he doesn't want to do. You don't have to be a Christian for very long to understand that you're fighting a battle because there are things that, that in your life, that in your heart, you really don't want to follow. You end up doing them. How does that work? I and mean, there are things that you really want to do for God and you want to be for God, but you don't accomplish that either. And, you know, at some point you, you get to this intersection where you just say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'll just do my best and be okay with that. But, you know, I've looked throughout the entire Bible. I cannot find a one single passage which just simply says, do your best. And the reason for that is because, you see, we think that we can make a difference in our lives. We think that we have the capacity and the power to overcome sin and to live a victorious Christian life. The truth is, there is no power within us inherently. The only power we have is from the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And Galatians chapter 5 tells us that about this incredible battle that's going on. In fact, uh, he says in, in uh, chapter 5 and verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh this downward pull, this zombie within sets its, its desire against the spirit and the spirit sets its desire against the flesh. So these two, it says, are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. The Holy Spirit is a restrainer, not just in the world, but in your life as well. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit in my life, oh my gosh, I, had, I have no idea what kind of trouble I'd be in. So the Holy Spirit keeps you from acting out all of the bad things and all the evil thoughts that you have. But there's this constant war that's going on within. Now, fortunately, in the, in the process of our sanctification, of our becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, God is actually encoded and designed within the Christian experience a way to overcome. God didn't just say, okay, now you're born again, now your sins are forgiven. Now, good luck. He doesn't say that. But rather what he does is he he outfits us. He equips us for victory. It'd be like if, if you were going to uh, to be on a football team, but the uh, the athletic trainer, uh, the, the supply department didn't give you any helmet or shoulder pads or anything, you know, cleats or anything. If you're going to play golf, you don't have any clubs. Uh, or if you're going to... Uh, you know, be an accountant, but you don't have a computer, or you don't have a pencil or paper or whatever. You know, these things are, are essential to success. So, so what has God done to help us be successful? I want to talk about two principles here, okay? And the first principle is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians, excuse me, Ephesians 5, 18 says, do not be drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but rather be filled with with the Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, some denominations and Christian uh, traditions or, or offshoots talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, that that's just scary, you know, right off the bat. I don't want to be filled with a ghost of any kind, you know. I grew up being afraid of ghosts. But, and the Holy Spirit's not a ghost. That's just a King James Version word that uh, that they use to translate the Spirit, okay, spirits. Um 
so what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, some some people say that being filled with the Spirit is this this emotional, mystical experience that you have. Um, typically, it happens, uh, oddly enough, in the midst of a church service where a man up front uh, has some sort of influence on you, and afterwards he asks for money. I don't know how that works, but but it's called being filled with the Holy Ghost, and people have all kinds of responses to it from you know, supposedly speaking in tongues to uh, falling on the ground, uh, frothing on the ground, frothing at the mouth. Uh, they look like bacon frying on the ground. They uh, they fall back on people. Uh, they run around. They they cluck like chickens. They roar like lions, and they bark like dogs. And all of that, every bit of that, is unbiblical. You won't find a single evidence of any of that in Scripture. And you might say, "Wait a minute, Jeff. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says in Acts chapter two that the church spoke." In tongues, yes, that's right. They spoke with languages, languages of the different regions who had come to Pentecost, come to Jerusalem, and the gospel was then translated into their known language. Uh, but there's no evidence in the scripture for any sort of being filled with the Holy Spirit and then speaking some sort of unintelligible babbling. That's just uh, that's just voodoo. That's all that is. But that's we can do that. We can talk about that another time. But let's talk about what it really means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, according to the Bible. Because the, there's evidences of being filled with the Spirit. So what are the evidences of being filled with the Spirit? Well, when the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives, one of the evidences is, is that we don't walk according to the flesh. When the Holy Spirit is, is leading us, then we don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. So when we fulfill those desires, aha, that should be a first red flag, a first clue, the fact that we're not filled with the Spirit. So you say, Jeff, well, how do we get filled with the Spirit? Do we have to go to a filling station and get filled up? Do we go to the church? Do we have to get a blessing of the pastor? Do we have to say a certain thing, like a certain prayer to do that? Well, no, you don't, <laughs> because there's no prayer in the Bible for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul simply says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. And obviously, the implication there is that they knew what that meant. They knew what that meant. Now, there are a couple of things I want you to see here. There's a parallel passage to this over in the book of Colossians, where Paul basically says almost the exact same thing, only he substitutes be filled with the Spirit in Colossians 3.16, with this phrase, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. All right, so let's talk about that. So if being filled with the Spirit is synonymous or at least comparable to letting the word of Christ richly dwell within you, then there's a clue for us right there. Being filled with the Spirit has at, at its foundation the idea that God's thoughts and desires are superintending our thoughts and desires. In other words, it's a submission. It's allowing God to write what, what goes on the page or what thoughts we think or what desires we have and that he is in the driver's seat of those desires and thoughts. And so when it says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, I love it with he put, put richly, because you could just say, let the word of Christ dwell within you. That'd be good. But he says, let it richly dwell within you. In other words, he's saying that the word of God in the Bible needs to be the dominant 
influence or the number one influence in our lives. Now, th that that has nothing to do with getting off into worshiping the Bible or anything like that. When you see the Bible for what it really is, and it's, it's, it's the, the written expression of God's revelation to mankind, of his will, of his desires, all these things, then you know what he wants. I mean, because God's not speaking audibly to the world. He's not announcing it to the nations in terms of, of telling us individually what we're supposed to do with our lives. You don't get up every day and get a letter from God or email from God or text message from God saying, all right, today, this is what you do. No, it's in the Bible. So that's why we go to the Bible, because there's where the thoughts and, and the desires of God's heart is revealed. So when it says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, then it's saying, let God's desires come into your life. And you don't find that through just saying, well, what is God's desires? Oh, that's a good desire. No, you find it in the Bible. You don't make it up. So if, if God's word richly dwells within you, how does that happen? Well, it says with all t uh, wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. So it involves obviously teaching. It's, it's not, you know, there is a, you know, we talk a lot about, about this personal relationship with Jesus type thing, and that's obviously very true. But no Christian is an island unto him or herself. And so simply having a Bible and, and doing kind of your own thing is just not enough. You and I both need to be taught. We need to have people admonishing us. We need to have a Christian influence out there that through a pastor, uh, through teachers, uh, through authors uh, who are writing the real truth about God. And, and it says the result of that, uh, we'll be talking about, about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So there's an overflow. That's the idea there. There's an overflow of gratitude. Why? Because you're conquering sin. Because you're, you're being encouraged, because you're being strengthened. That's a reason to be thankful. And the kind of spiritual language that we talk about with one another goes far deeper than some of the shallow expressions we do back and forth with folks uh, you know, when we go to church or when we're with other Christians. And, you know, obviously we can't be hyper-spiritual all the time. You know, how are you doing, brother? Well, you know, in the book of Psalms it says, we don't have to quote scripture every time we have a conversation. But I love it when, when I'm able to go to church, and, and this happens to me a lot in my church, where I'm able to go to church and I'm having a conversation with someone, and just by natural process, it turns into something spiritual. It's, it's not designed. It's not someone trying to be you know, pharisaical or, or hyper-spiritual. It's just overflow of the heart because obviously the word of Christ is richly dwelling in this person, and that's why they're sharing it with me or, or vice versa. So... One way you talk about how, how are you filled with the Spirit? How do you overcome sin and the desires in your heart? And by the way, I'm giving you the ultra, ultra Cliff Notes version here about this thing. But the way that we do it, one way is to allow the Word of Christ to richly dwell within us. Now, the second thing we're, that we're talking about, the same, uh, along the same vein, okay, the same Spirit, is when Paul says to be filled with the Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, if you look at the verse here in Ephesians 5.18, He's using an illustration here. He's contrasting this with getting drunk with wine. You know, typically people got drunk with wine. That's what they used to get drunk with back in, in biblical times. And you know the difference between having a glass of wine and being, uh, well, there are many ways to say it, but just being completely, you know, out, <laughs> being completely drunk. Um, and when a person is drunk, it's obvious. 
You see, because when al- when enough alcohol gets into a body, what starts to happen to that person's speech? It, it starts to slur, doesn't it? What happens to their judgment? It's skewed. What happens to their eyesight? Uh, it's, it's augmented and it's blurred. What happens to their motor skills? Uh, it, they become retarded in their motor skills. Uh, what happens to their ability to make sound judgments? They can't do that as well. Uh, how about walking a straight line, right? Touching their nose. All these little tests that people, that uh, police give people when they do uh, uh, DUIs. So the point is, is that, and the idea behind it is, is just as alcohol influences a drunk person, so allow the Holy Spirit to influence you and the principle of the fact that it's really influencing every part of you. So the idea is that when the Holy Spirit is filling us or controlling us or influencing us, it means it is having that sort of influence on every part of us, on our thoughts, on our words, on our relationships, on, our, on what we do with our lives and that type of thing. So to simply be filled with the Holy Spirit just means to allow God to do that. Now, sometimes you, you may need to confess sin and you know get that out of the way and make sure that the relationship between you and God is okay. But then you just say to, in your heart, you know, you just tell God you want to be filled with the Spirit. I mean, you don't have to pray it. You just appropriate it. Allow him. He wants, he's there. He wants to be filled, to fill you. He wants to be in charge of you. So just let him be in charge. And the more that the word of Christ richly dwells within you, guess what? The more you'll know how to act that out. But if you're just, if you never uh, get into the word and you're never filling your life with scripture, then you're going to have to develop those life skills, okay? And that life skill of walking in the spirit means that you have to augment that and supplement that with scripture. And the more scripture you have in there, the more you're going to understand the mind of Christ and the mind of the Holy Spirit, the mind of the Father. And you will be able to make those kinds of decisions and walk with him. Well, what happens when you're filled with the Spirit according to Ephesians 5? Well, look at it. It's almost exactly what he wrote to the Colossians. He said, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So what Paul's saying here is that there's there's a cause and there's an effect. The cause is the Holy Spirit being in charge, okay, filling us. The effect is, is that we are able to express our thankfulness to God and to one another, uh, spiritual words of encouragement. And so there's an outward flow of that. And so there's a desperate need for Christians today to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reason why, and I can speak with authority on this because I've traveled and I've known thousands of Christians and been a pastor for 30 years, most Christians live their lives in defeat. They live their lives in defeat. And they are not able to overcome. And they live their lives in a frustrating cycle of sin, confession, trying harder, more sin, confession, trying again, making little accountable things in their lives to try to help them. It never works. You know why? Because none of that is internal. None of that is from the inside out. It's all from the outside in. 
And I want to talk to you next time about how you can take this principle of being filled with the Holy Spirit and translate it to your everyday life. So don't miss the next podcast. I'll tell you how to do that. Until then, have a great week and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.